Thank you. <laughs> Jesus said you're the light of the world. You can't help yourself when you love the Lord. Your light just shines up, not even thinking about it. But I just wanted to give a little testimony. Last September, we went to Connecticut. And we uh, were going through the beautiful city of Hartford. And I said to my husband, do we have a church here? Well, he didn't know. So we were getting hungry, so we thought we need to go somewhere and eat. Where can we go? And we saw a lady walking down the street, a young lady, and we just said, where's a good place to eat? Oh, well, there's an olive garden just up a few blocks. Go there. So we waltzed into the olive garden, and a lady seated us. And I said, oh, I notice a beautiful accent. Where are you from? I'm from Brazil, South America. I said, oh, we have been there. Well, when you've been to their country immediately, they want to know how you liked it, everything. So uh, she kept coming back and forth to our table where we could hardly even order our food or anything. She just kept coming back and Finally, she said, you know, what are you doing here? Well, we told her we're teaching leadership seminars in our churches. And she started crying. She said, you know, uh, my husband left me, divorced me. My whole family's down in South America. And I said, wait a minute, honey. God sent us all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, all the way to Hartford, Connecticut, to tell you God still loves you. And so she ended up breaking down crying. We prayed with her right in the restaurant. And and finally we left, and I thought I wanted to tell her church to go to, but I didn't know of any churches. So the next morning we was at the church we're going to, and the pastor, he's the superintendent of the whole state of Connecticut, and he said, um, we're starting a daughter work in Hartford, Connecticut. Here's a young couple going there. I went up to them immediately after church. I said, we've just been there. I've got the name of the lady who lives there who wants more help spiritually. And they said, oh, we know where the Olive Garden is. We're going to go find her. So see, you let your light shine. God does all the rest. Well, we have traveled to many countries of the world, actually 44 countries. And somebody always said, what's the most beautiful place you've ever been? Well, the most beautiful place is Jerusalem because Jesus walked there. But the most beautiful country we have ever seen is South Africa. And I'm sure Yvette will agree with that. It's full of natural beauty, and it is like arum lilies bloomed by the roadside, beautiful mountains and the sea, and it's just breathtaking beauty. But, you know, part of South Africa is a desert. And when you look at it, you think, it's always going to be a desert. It will always, but no, the rain comes overnight, and everything changes. Well, I thought about our world we're living in today. Everywhere you look, there's trouble, there's famine, there's disease, there's people running for their lives. There's everything happening. And you think it's always going to be that way. But I believe in end-time revival. God is going to give this world one more chance to get right with God. If you read the book of Revelation, after Jesus comes, you don't want to be here. Now is our day. And even though it looks like a desert, like nothing's ever going to happen, when the rain comes, something changes. So I wrote this little poem about uh, times of refreshing And I pray it will speak to you today and will bless you in some way. A desert can be oh so bleak, parched from the blazing sky. You think it will ne'er bloom again, and springtime has passed by. A wilderness it has become. It looks like there's no way. So you start to leave it there, since it is the end of day. 
Then somewhere up in heaven you hear a thunder roll. You see a cloud surround the sun and hope doth fill your soul. Before you know what's happening, rain is pouring down. The soil, so dry and thirsty, becomes a watered ground. You go home and try to sleep and wonder through the night what the desert will look like when comes the morning light. Much to your amazement, when again your eyes do view, it has blossomed like a rose because of heaven's dew. Now we have a promise for our world so dark and drear that a time of refreshing is very, very near. The downpour will be so great, our hearts cannot contain what God is going to do in this latter rain. He says it's time now. Listen for his call. Plow up your fallow ground. The rain's about to fall. It is a rain of righteousness that we will feel so soon before the trumpet blows and sounds the final tune. Times of refreshing, we welcome you right now and lift our hearts in worship and surrender all somehow. Oh, that was good. It's great to be with you this morning. And we've enjoyed a few days here with our children. And we enjoy the presence of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about something different than what I approached in the early service. I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 20. I want to talk to you about mending the nets. And I pray that God will be my helper today. We do need the help of the Lord. Without Him, we can't do anything. And I realize that. I My heart goes out to those suffering in Liberia. They came through 23 years of a terrible war and uh, churches bombed out. But the church that I built there survived. And it continued to grow and is right in the middle of all of it. There were churches that people fled to the churches And they would just walk in and machine gun the whole congregation and then lock it up and just leave it for weeks. You can imagine. And uh, our church was just right down the street and never received a scratch. I (laughs) taught one of those generals how to fly an airplane. And I always felt like maybe... It was because of that kindness. He loved our boys. And he's eaten in our home before. And uh, I always wondered if maybe the friendship that we showed to him might have saved our building. He knew that I had hung on the side of that building for weeks and weeks laying blocks and then stone and then driving nails and bolts and everything else to get the roof on. And uh, they filled it up, and they had to tear it down and build a bigger building. And they're running over 700 there now. The president of Liberia and three senators attend the church that I built, and I thank God for that. I really do. And great things are happening in Liberia along with this Ebola. 
it's terrible. It's terrible what's happening with those precious people. But I'm sure that they're going to come through it. They will. And our prayers are with them. I am grateful to you for what you are doing in their behalf. God will bless you for it. Praise God. In Matthew chapter 4, and beginning with verse 17 through verse 22. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. It's a good day for fishing, apparently, if these fishermen are out casting a net into the sea. All right? And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Hallelujah. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Hallelujah. Also in Matthew 13 and verse 47, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that is cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Now, he is looking at the church as being a fisher's net. And a good apostolic net will catch fish. You believe that? It will catch fish. And in the previous verses, it was a good day for fishing. But apparently, Zebedee had been losing some fish. And when you're losing fish, fish, fishing the way they did, apparently you got some holes in the net. And they took the time, even though it was a good day for fishing, even though they could have probably caught some fish, they said, we're losing too many. Let's string up the net and repair the net so we do not lose any fish. And he compared what they were doing to his church. And he called those fishermen and said, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. He said, I will make you. Hallelujah. It's wonderful when God directs our life and makes us what He wants us to be. 
and he is still making fishers of men. If we will allow him to have the last word in our life, he will lead us to hungry hearts. He knows where every one of them are. In First Kings, he said, For God alone knows the hearts of all the children of men. That takes the pressure off of us. He said, Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. We don't know where they are. We go out and knock doors. We go out and do every kind of crazy thing to try to get people in. Hey, we need to pray. He said, first of all, prayer, supplication, intercession, the giving of thanks, be made for all men. Why? Verse 4 said, for God would have all men saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What's he telling us? He said, first of all, top priority, number one, ahead of everything else, prayer, supplication, intercession, giving of thanks, be made for all men. And then he takes the pressure off of us and said that God alone knows the hearts of all the children of men. There's not one person in Granbury, Texas, that sighs in their spirit and says, Oh, I wish I knew what was right. Hey, they've got God's attention. God's attention is focused on them at that moment. God knows who they are, and God knows where they are. And what He's instructed us to do is to get acquainted with God and talk to Him, and He'll show us to them. He'll lead us to the hungry heart. That's the way He does it. When we were on deputation for missions, trying to raise money and get our partners together to go back overseas, on a Monday after Sunday night service in Oklahoma City, Monday morning I dropped my wife off at the mall for her mall ministry. <laughs> and, uh, and she says this because she really does have a mall ministry. And I told her I dropped her off about 9 o'clock. And I'll say, I said, I'll see you at 6 and we'll go eat. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't go shopping with her. <laughs> She'll shop till I drop, and that don't take very long. And uh, I had a buddy across town. Oh, God, I'm glad she's with me. Yeah, thank you. Bill Sherrill. I went to school with him, you see. Talk about dementia. <laughs> anyway, I said... Uh, I'm going to go see Bill because he's doing some remodeling on his church and I want to go help him. See if I can't drive a nail or two in there and at least have my mark on it. And uh, so I take off toward, dropped her at the mall, and I take off toward Brother Bill. And I'm cruising down the road and I pass by a great big old pawn shop. And the Lord spoke to me and said, go in there. I said, oh, Jesus, please, now. I've been working hard, and I need a day off with my friend, and here you want me to. He said, go in there. So I looped the block and come around and parked in the parking lot there and got out and walked in the front door, and the guy behind the counter said, are you a man of God? I said, yes, I am. He said, I knew it. 
When I saw you put your truck and trailer in there, I knew right there something told me there's a man that can help you. I said, well, I'll sure try. He said, I want to tell you something. I attend the university and I'm studying ten living religions. What do you think of that? I said, I despise every religion on the face of the earth. I believe they all come out of hell. Religion is man groping for God. But I've come to tell you about God reaching for man. And there's a world of difference. And I sat there and for over two hours, I taught him a lesson on you have a right to know the truth, the divisions of the New Testament. And it's all there. And when I just about finished and was looking at my watch and thinking, well, I can still reach Bill in time. And uh, the door opened, and a lady and six kids come walking in. And it looked like your kids, my kids, and our kids, you know. And he said, baby, come here, come here, sit down right here. I want him to tell you everything he told. Lord, that's two hours. (laughs) Hey, you can't put any strings on God. He's going to use you, and it's going to cost you something. Time, money energy, intellect, whatever you got, God will spend it for you. <laughs> and so I sat there and I taught another two hours. And he kept butting in and filling in the blanks. And he kept saying, baby, ain't that just cool? And then he'd use snug. Honey, that is so snug. <laughs> I'd never heard that one before. But I understood what it meant. And finally he said, Where can I find somebody to baptize us in the name of Jesus? I said, where's your telephone? And I called Bill Sherrill. I said, Bill, I'm not going to make it, but I want you to come where I'm at because I've got eight brand new members for your church, and two of them are ready to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, wasn't it a good thing that I stopped? (laughs) I'm telling you, God knows where the hungry hearts are. And if you will pray and get in touch with God, God will put you in touch with man. But sometime we got some holes in the net. And sometime some wonderful fish who just... Swim right on through it. But I contend that an apostolic net will catch fish. Hallelujah. It was a good day for fishing. But old Zebedee saw a need to have a good, strong net. And Jesus had said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We should be just as concerned when we're not catching souls as they were when they were not catching fish. We should be just as concerned. And this apostolic net that God has put in our hands will catch fish. It will catch fish. The church is a net collectively and individually. You are a net. But if the net has weakness and rotten cords, it will not hold a fish. 
and you will lose what you have tried to catch. In Luke chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, let's look at this passage of Scripture. And Simon answering unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will let down the net. Now, Jesus had just said, let down the nets. You know, isn't it amazing how we want to excuse ourselves with partial obedience so often? Where if we would fully obey, we couldn't handle the blessing that follows complete obedience. But they said, we will let down a net. What they were really saying is, Lord, we've toiled all night and have caught nothing. You're a carpenter. We're fishermen. And when we say they're not running, they're not running. We know this sea. We know I have a fishing hole out here. We know where to throw these nets. And we've toiled all night. And here we've come up here to the shore and washing our nets and giving it up. We're about ready to throw in the towel. He said, don't throw in the towel. Throw out the nets. It's not a time to quit. It's not a time to throw in the towel. It's a time to throw out the nets. If they'd have thrown out the nets... There's no telling what they would have done. They could have probably retired the next day because they threw out the net. And I believe that ever fish in the Sea of Galilee tried to get in that net because the fish were products of the Word of God and everything that is a product of the Word of God is sensitive to the Word of God, is responsive to the Word of God, is obedient to the Word of God. And so when he said, Draught of fishes, those fish said, Hey guys, that's us. Let's hit the net. They filled up the net. They broke the net. They filled up the boat. The boat was about to sink. What would they have had if they had said let down if they had said we're going to let down the nets? They shortchanged themselves, didn't they? We always shortchange ourselves when we do not fully obey the Lord. Don't think you're taking a shortcut because you're hurting yourself when you do when it comes to your walk with God. Hallelujah. And uh, Luke five uh, that is verse 6. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. Oh, they had some weaknesses in the net. And they beckoned to their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they filled up both ships, so they began to sink. Amazing. What if they had wholly obeyed the words of the Lord? God loves us. And when He tells us to do something, do it with all your heart because He'll bless you bigger than you can handle. His blessing comes with on the heels of obedience to Him. He won't fail you. They beckon to their partners and they fill both ships till both ships were began to sink. They had to throw some back, I guess. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Well, that's uh, a whole lot better than my fishing stories. 
I always tell somebody, how many you got? I say, when I get this one and two more, I'll have three. (laughs) That's the way my fishing goes. (laughs) Amen. So they stop to examine their nets because they were breaking. It makes me think of that song, Search Me, O God. And know my heart, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Whether worldliness or materialism or formalism, anything. I'm tired of fish going through the net. Good fish. If they just find a hole. You know... Our testimony is so important to us in catching fish. By testimony, I don't mean what you may stand up and say in church. I mean what you are in the street, what you are on the job, what you are wherever you are in your home. It's so important that your testimony be pure and right. You're talking to this brother, and you're telling him, look, man, you need to come to this church, Generations Church. You, you can't believe the music. It's just wonderful. And our pastor is such a great preacher. And our congregation, just loving people that love one another and, and want to see uh, Granbury saved. And uh, you tell them all of that, and then uh, he's coming home from uh, the grocery store, and he's got a bag of groceries in his hand, and he walks past your house, and it sounds like World War Three going on in there. I told you to shut up! I'll knock you in the middle of next week! What? We don't talk that way down at the bar where I go. And he wants me to be a part of that church? What have you done? You destroyed your testimony. No need to invite him again because you shot your testimony. He knows what you really are. What is that? He's found a hole in your net and he swam right through it. He's found a weakness there. And God wants us to catch fish. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans 16. Verses 17 through 19. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. For they are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches Deceive the hearts of the simple. Wow. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. You know, he has a plan for us, and it is to keep our net strong. I'm talking about the church being a net. I'm talking about 
soul winning. And there are some times individually and collectively that we need to be real honest with ourselves and hang up our net and look it over real good, let it dry, and let's test every cord in it to make sure that it is strong. We have to be convinced that there is no funny, dirty joke. Hallelujah. We have to avoid many of the bestsellers. We have to avoid many of the styles of the world. We've got to be Christian to the strictest sense of the word if we're going to be in God's church. Well, somebody said, turn off your phone. It looks something like somebody didn't. What does that cost me? Five bucks? There. I wish I didn't even have to have one of those things. Praise God. Now, uh, I've looked this crowd over. I saw one brother jump up and shout hallelujah a while ago. I want you to help me here. The handsome man behind you, I want him to come and help me. Would you come right now? Yeah, we'll get him. <laughs> I got a I got a net standing over there right behind that tree. If one of you will get it. Yeah. Hush. How do you turn this thing off? <laughs> I don't know how to turn it off. I think it's off. If it rings again, you know I didn't get it off. All right. Now, if you, brethren, come on, brother. I need you to. And, brother, yeah, good. And you, too, need four. Just string that thing out right here. I know this is no fishing net, but it kind of resembles sort of. All right, now I'm. All right, the, now hold it on the edge like that. Now you two, brethren, uh, pull it tight. Hold it up. Hold it up a little higher. Yeah. All right. And these are my two boys. I'm Zebedee, and these are my two sons, James and John. Is that all right? Can you be James and you be John? All right. And these two fellows are the boat. Okay. <laughs> they what holds it all together. And James and John, I want you to go over this net. We've been losing some good fish. And I want you to examine every cord. And when you find a rotten one, cut it out. Follow it all the way down. And we're going to replace it with a good strong cord because we're losing too many fish here lately. When you, There's a need to cut it out and replace it. If you come on doubt and fear and unbelief, Cut that thing out, follow it to the very source of it, and replace it with faith and trust. Just from one end to the other, examine cord by cord by cord. Uh, when you find hate and jealousy and envy, cut it out of there. That won't catch a fish. It'll break and replace hate and jealousy and fear and envy with strong love. Put the cord of strong love in that thing fault-finding and strife and bitterness, 
strong love will take care of all of that. You can get rid of of that cord. How did we ever catch any fish at all with this rottenness? Cut it out and get all of it. Disobedience and rebellion. Cut it out and replace it with obedience, if you will. Get rid of of, uh, criticism and judgmentalism and replace it with long-suffering. Get rid of impatience and a cold heart and replace it with compassion and mercy. Get rid of pride and haughtiness and replace it with humility and meekness. Get rid of lying and false doctrine and heresy and replace it with truth. Get rid of worldliness and replace it with holiness. Get rid of immorality, adultery, and fornication and replace it with clean morality. Get rid of weakness and replace it with strength. Get rid of unfaithfulness and replace it with faithfulness. Follow through with the rotten cords and replace them with strong cords. Gossip is rotten and it's lost a lot of fish. Replace it with love and with faith. You find robbing God, it'll, it'll cost you. Replace it with tithes and offerings in the church. Get rid of discouragement and replace it with praise and worship. Get rid of anger and clamor and get, replace it with joy and peace. These cords will never hold a fish. Replace them with strong from Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Let's look at the Word of the Lord. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth after the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that they cannot do the things that they would. But if you be led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness. All of these are rotten cords in the net. And such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now here's the cords we want to replace those with. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such There is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh, have cut out the rotten cords with the affections and the lusts. For we live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Hallelujah. Oh, that won't catch fish. But if the fruit of the Spirit is what our net is put together with, oh, it'll catch fish every time. They say, oh, I hope he's real. I hope she's everything that she manifests herself to be. They'll follow you. Somebody is observing you now. Hallelujah. You're the only Bible that some people will ever read. And your life tells them this is the way. Walk in it. Or your life says there's nothing to any of it. Forget it. And that's a hole in our net. My God, have mercy. Well, these cords will never hold a fish, the fruit of the flesh. They're weak, rotten cords. But the fruit of the Spirit is strong cords. Cut out everything that isn't right. A good, strong, Pentecostal, apostolic net will catch fish any time. And His Word will not return void. Thank you, brethren. Thank you for helping me out here. You can roll that thing up both ways if you can. Kind of get it even. Give me John chapter 21, verses 6 through 11. And we'll wrap this thing up. Hallelujah. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find. And they cast, therefore. Now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt himself in his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with the fishes. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Oh, who is it that loves to serve bread and fish? Jesus. Hallelujah. And Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty and three, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. <laughs> That's revival. <laughs> That's a revival. That's an ingathering of souls. That's evangelism. Hallelujah. That's a missionary work. Praise God. And the net will hold. This old net was made to catch fish. That's what it's all about. That's what the church is all about. And if people have a place to go and find God a reality in their life. Give me James 3, beginning with verse 10, and I'll close. James 3, out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. 
Does a fountain send forth the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of a vine, figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh water. Who is a wise man and who endureth with knowledge, endureth with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness and wisdom. Hallelujah. But if you have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthy, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable and gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of the righteousness is sown in peace of them who make peace. God bless you today. Take a look at your net. Make sure it's made up of the fruit of the Spirit and not follow after your flesh. Your flesh is of the earth earthy. Your flesh will never ever lead you to God. Your flesh will always say, not today, maybe another time. No, I don't want to do that. Whatever God says, the flesh is always against it. The flesh don't want to have an all-night prayer meeting. The flesh don't want to pay tithe. The flesh don't want to be faithful. The flesh can give you more excuses. But walk in the Spirit. Do what this old book says. You won't go wrong with this. Because if you will let it judge you now, it won't judge you in that day. But if you don't let it judge you now, don't worry, honey. It's going to have the last word. It's going to judge you anyway. Mending the nets. Make sure this net is strong. God bless you today. God bless you.